Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Happy Resurrection Sunday, church. This is truly an Easter we will never, ever forget. You know, even two months ago, I never even imagined that the entire world would not be gathering together in churches and celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. Um, Never did I think that we would have this kind of uh, turn of events and that we would all be home, but here's the deal. This proves that the church is not a building because regardless of if we're meeting uh, within the confines of four walls somewhere or not, today the gospel is being presented all over the internet all over social media we have churches uh, where there are pastors getting up in their homes or maybe in their auditoriums or wherever they can and they are proclaiming the good news of the resurrection of Jesus and so uh, it's amazing how the church is with all the bad things that happen in, in social media the church we're literally redeeming social media by proclaiming God's truth all day today. And so this is uh, truly an Easter that we will never forget, but I believe that many souls are going to be saved today because of the proclamation of God's word. And, and I am excited to share a word that God has put on my heart. So I hope uh, you, you uh, have uh, buckled in your seats and you're ready for uh, a word from God today. Uh, I'm going to share... Um, uh, with you today, three things Jesus faced in the Easter narrative uh, that relates to what we're currently going through with this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and when I say Easter, I'm talking from Thursday to Sunday. And within those four days, Jesus faced three things that many of you that are listening today are currently facing. Even though Jesus went through this over 2,000 years ago, they are so relevant for what you and I are facing and dealing with right now. So I'm going to share the three things and then I'm going to expound on each one of them. So uh, during the Easter narrative, Jesus faced loneliness, suffering, and glory. So let me attempt to break it down for you. Number one, loneliness. It was Thursday and Jesus had just finished the Last Supper with his disciples. After dinner, he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a, a place that Jesus and the disciples would have been very familiar with. They would have frequented uh, quite a bit during the ministry of Jesus. Uh, one commentator wrote, Since the first Adam's fall occurred in a garden, the last Adam entered into a garden to bring fallen man back into God's garden of fellowship through his substitutionary atonement. When Jesus took his disciples to this garden, he knew what was about to happen. He, he knew what was going to take place in just a few moments. He knew that he was about to face the most difficult moment of his life. He was about to be betrayed by Judas and handed over to the authorities to be crucified. He understood the significance of the situation, and so he went to Gethsemane to pray with his three closest disciples. Peter, James, and John were the three guys that had the most alone time with Jesus. Peter, James, and John were the ones that 
uh, were, were mentored more closely by Jesus than anybody else in Jesus's life. If there was anyone Jesus could count on, it was these three men. Jesus had invested more time in Peter, James, and John than anyone else. So if there were anyone's prayers he needed in this moment, it was these gentlemen's, or so you would think. So let's read about how these three super disciples stood strong for Jesus as he was agonizing about what was going to happen to him in the near future. We're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter number 14, and we're going to start with verse number 34. And this is Jesus speaking. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 37, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. As Jesus was agonizing over the notion that he was going to be turned over to his enemies in just a few moments to be murdered for our sins, he, his trusted confidants all abandoned him and left him alone to suffer and agonize by himself. Three times while Jesus was praying and pleading with his father about whether there was another way to save the world, he came back to find his disciples snoozing and snoring. He was completely abandoned and left alone by his disciples in his greatest time of need. Some of you are dealing with loneliness and feelings of abandonment right now as you're stuck at home and you're quarantining in your apartment or, or in your home or wherever it is that you are quarantining. You're feeling abandoned right now. You're feeling lonely right now. Some of you are feeling helpless and hopeless right now. Many of you are dealing with anxiety. You might even feel abandoned by God right now. Maybe you have lost a family member or a close friend to the virus. Maybe you have lost a job or a large part of your income because of how the virus has impacted our economy. Maybe as the numbers of people infected and dying rises, a feeling of hopelessness comes over you. You might feel like you don't have anyone to process with you what you're going through right now. You have all of these emotions flooding in. You have all of these thoughts. You have all of these things happening around you. And you have no one to process what you're feeling right now, especially if you're single and living alone. If you're feeling lonely or abandoned, I want you to know that Jesus understands how you feel because he was abandoned at his greatest time of need. When he needed people the most, he was abandoned and he was left alone to fight for himself. His three closest disciples abandoned him in the garden as we just read. 
Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times after Jesus was arrested. And Judas, one of his disciples, he was the one that actually betrayed him and led him to the authorities. Jesus, in his final days, dealt with loneliness, abandonment, and betrayal. Can we take a lesson from Jesus and how he dealt with grief, fear, and sorrow? He didn't run from it. He didn't act like drinking the cup of the wrath of God was going to be easy. In fact, he prays to his father and asks him to remove this cup, the judgment of God from him. He says, Father, remove this cup from me. Jesus literally asked if there was another way besides the cross because he understood what was at stake here. He understood what he was going to have to face and suffer through. But then he ultimately surrenders those fears to God and he says, yet not my will, but your will be done. He surrenders that fear. He surrenders that anxiety. He surrenders that that feeling of, of just dread for what was about to take place. And he surrenders it to the Father. And he says, it's not my will. It's your will that I want to accomplish. And that's why I came to this earth. This must be our heart's posture with what we're going through right now. We pray boldly for God to remove the darkness. We pray boldly for God to heal people. We pray boldly for God to to remove uh, this pandemic from our midst. But then we say, yet, not my will, but your will be done. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I surrender my fear to you. I surrender my angst to you, and I surrender Whatever uncertainties there are around me, I surrender that to you. And I say, not my will, not what I want, but what you want. What are you doing in the midst of this pandemic, God? The second thing Jesus faced in the Easter story is suffering. He faced an immense amount of suffering. We fast forward now and it's Friday morning at this point and Jesus has been condemned and turned over to be crucified by Pilate. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 15 and verse 22. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the school. Can I just interject here? If someone ever takes you to a place called the school, you know uh, it's not going to be a good day for you. And that's exactly where uh, Jesus was taken to, to Golgotha. Verse 23, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. Jesus, the son of God, the one we are told about in Colossians that all things were made through him and for him. The one we are told was the word that was with God and the word that was God. Jesus, the perfect, sinless, blameless, faultless, matchless, untarnished, unblemished, incomparable, transcendent King of Kings suffered immensely at the hands of his creation, all while being completely innocent and blameless without fault. Crucifixion was a common form of punishment in the ancient world, but the Romans made it extremely brutal. 
Cicero, the Roman politician, described crucifixion as the most hideous and cruel of tortures. I don't know if you know this, but to the Romans, crucifixion was so humiliating that they assured that their citizens could never be crucified. The humiliation, brutality, and ruthlessness of the cross is hard to grasp by our Western minds because we have turned the cross into something very common and ordinary. You know, if you go to any Christian bookstore, you will see a million crosses being sold. You'll see journals with crosses on them. You'll see t-shirts with crosses on them. You'll see uh, cross-themed uh, jewelry. You'll, keep, you'll see art pieces with jewelry. You'll see uh, cross-themed bumper stickers, what keychains, you name it, and, and, and you can find it with a cross on it. And because of this, the, the, the cross has become so ordinary that it's hard to grasp the stigma and stain it carried in the ancient world. The cross was both humiliating and excruciatingly painful. In fact, the word excruciating comes from two Latin words, ex uh, cruciatos, I think I said that right, or out of the cross. So the word excruciating literally means out of the cross. That's where they got the word from. Let me just share with you some of the painful, excruciating details of our Lord's suffering. Before Jesus was even crucified, he was whipped 39 times. And if any of you uh, watched The Passion of the Christ, you saw as the Roman soldiers were whipping Jesus that at the end of their whip, the, those metal pieces, they had hooks on them. And every time they whipped someone, that those, those hooks would, would grab a hold of, of pieces of flesh. And as they pulled back, it would rip the flesh apart. And Jesus was whipped like this 30 nine times. After Jesus was whipped and had lost a ton of blood, he was forced to carry his own cross. And his cross probably weighed between 80 and 110 pounds. And he, after he was losing blood. He was, he was in so much pain and, and torment. And, and, and he had to carry his cross from Pilate's palace all the way to Golgotha, or at least until he couldn't carry it anymore. And then they made a bystander named Simon carry it the rest of the way because Jesus didn't have the strength to carry it any longer. The route from Pilate's palace to Golgotha is called the Via Della Rosa in Latin and is translated the way of suffering. Once Jesus gets to Golgotha, a soldier then hammers a long nail into each of Jesus's wrists and then through both of his feet. Listen to how Dr. C. Truman Davis, a physician who has done extensive research on Roman crucifixion, describes it. The left foot is now pressed backward against the right foot. And with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each, leaving the knees moderately flexed. The victim is now crucified. As he slowly sags down with more weight on the nails in the wrists, excruciating pain shoots along the fingers and up the arms to explode in the brain. The nails in the wrists are putting pressure on the median nerves. As he pushes himself upward to avoid this stretching torment, he places his full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the metatarsal bones of the feet. At this point, as the arms fatigue, great waves of cramps sweep over the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps comes the inability to push himself upward. Hanging by his arms, 
The pectoral muscles are paralyzed and the intercostal muscles are unable to act. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but cannot be exhaled. Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get even one short breath. Finally, carbon dioxide builds up in the lungs and in the bloodstream and the cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself upward to exhale and bring in the life-giving oxygen. Jesus experienced hours and hours of this excruciating pain until he finally dies at 3 p.m. Six hours of suffering, pain, and anguish at the cross that our Lord and Savior suffered. Mark 15, picking up the story in verse 33, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even as he was taking his last breaths, our Lord was quoting scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is taken out of Psalm 22 and verse number one. Jesus was abandoned by his father in this moment while he suffered for the sins of the world while he suffered for every single sin you have ever committed and every single sin you will ever commit. He suffered on the cross and while he was suffering, his father had to turn his back on him because he could not look on sin. If you are suffering today, Jesus can relate to what you're going through. There are many people suffering right now. Doctors and nurses caring for the sick while putting their own lives at risk or the lives of their family members at risk every time they go to work. I have a couple of cousins who are nurses in the Chicago area and they specifically work in the COVID-19 unit and they, they have to come home to little children and, and even newborns and they're so worried that they may bring in a, a, a sickness from, from taking care of sick people in the unit that they're working in. It's a, it's a scary time. There are people suffering right now. Some of you have family members or friends who are suffering from the virus right now. You may even have people you know who have passed away from the virus. There are husbands who have lost their wives and wives who have lost their husbands. There are parents who have lost their children and children who have lost their parents. There are millions of Americans who are out of jobs right now and are financially suffering. There are a lot of people who are suffering from depression and anxiety right now. If you are suffering today, you can be comforted because our Savior suffered so much more than we, than any of us are suffering right now. Our Savior suffered all the way till death. He was tortured. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. His beard was ripped out. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He was abused and misused and he suffered so much more than any of us are suffering right now. I'm not trying to minimize our suffering, but I am saying that we have a Lord and Savior that understands what we're going through. And finally, the third thing Jesus faced in the Easter narrative was glory. This is where the story gets happy. This is where the story gets good. This is where the, uh, the story climax is glory. Although Jesus was placed in the tomb on Friday, 
He wasn't there on Sunday. Did you hear what I just said? I, I mean, did you really hear what I just said? The tomb is empty and Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? There is no body there. There is no one there. Jesus is in heaven with his father completely victorious. Philippians 3 verses 10 through 12 says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul understood that Christ's resurrection was connected to his suffering. In other words, you can't have one without the other. If we want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives, we must be willing to suffer for Jesus. To know Christ is to suffer for Christ. To know Christ is to share in his sufferings. You get to know Jesus better when you go through difficult situations and circumstances. There is a familiarity and intimacy with Christ that you can only gain through suffering. There are things you can only learn about God as you go through the dark night of your soul. And the truth is there's things that you can only learn about yourself as you go through the dark night of the soul. Let me say it this way. Only people who have gone through cancer and chemotherapy treatment can truly understand what I went through a few years ago uh, when I went through that in my own life. Only people who have suffered through that disease can truly understand. And so when I meet someone that's a cancer survivor, I automatically have a shared intimacy with that person because we share a common struggle. We share a common pain. And so we're connected in that way because we have a shared suffering together. When we go through the dark nights of the soul, whatever it may be for you, it might be right now what you're currently going through. When we go through that, we have a shared intimacy with Jesus because he too went through some dark nights in his life. That is what Paul was talking about when he said, I want to know Christ through the participation of his sufferings. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says this, the spirit testifies or the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. We can't experience the glory of his resurrection if we don't share in his sufferings with him. Without the cross, sin would not be conquered. Without the cross, death would not be defeated. Without the cross, Jesus would not be sitting on the right hand of the Father ruling and reigning. Without the cross, Jesus would not 
be able to come back victoriously and to put an end to the rule of Satan once and for all. Without the cross, we would not have a new heaven and a new earth and a glorified body where there is no sickness, where there is no sin, where there is no coronavirus, where there is no cancer, where there is no diabetes, where there is no pain, where there is no divorce, where there is no dysfunctional relationships, where there is no abortion, where there is no suffering and tears without the cross, without the suffering, we could not have any of those things. We cannot share in Christ's glory. Amen. Without the cross, there would be no salvation from the penalty of sin. It's only through the cross that we can experience and encounter the glory of Christ's resurrection. I want to close with this scripture that puts a bow on this entire message, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. And it says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says this, This high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet he did not sin i don't know about you but that brings me comfort with what i'm currently going through through to know that i have a savior who sympathizes with my weaknesses who understands my weakness why because he stepped out of the comforts of heaven and entered into humanity and suffered and struggled and went through every single test that I could ever go through, yet didn't sin. He did what I could never do. And that brings me comfort and peace in my life as I try to navigate through these crazy, uncertain times, as I navigate through the storms, as I navigate through uh, all these new obstacles that seem to come every single day, as I navigate through uh, every time I hear a new news report, every time I hear uh, the death rise, uh, the death toll rise, whenever I, I hear that New York State has more positive uh, tests uh, for COVID-19 than any other country in the world. I take comfort and solace in the fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven and he came to this earth and he, and he dealt with everything that I will ever deal with. He dealt with fear. He dealt with anxiety. He dealt with uncertainty. He dealt with all of these things, yet sinned not. He did what I could not do. And he offers peace and he offers a relationship. And that's what it's all about. I don't know about you, but I find comfort in knowing that I serve a God that understands what I'm going through, that sympathizes with my weaknesses, that empathizes with me because he has walked in my shoes. And not only did he go through dark times, but he overcame all evil, all sickness, and all sorrow through the resurrection. He purchased my freedom and he purchased your freedom. He defeated sin, death, and darkness, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. And there will be a time that he comes back to finish what he started. There will be a time that he comes back to put an end to Satan's agenda once and for all. And that's what we celebrate today, the resurrection. We celebrate 
the fact that the tomb is empty and Jesus has risen. And the same spirit that caused Christ Jesus to rise from the dead is living inside of us. And so the spirit of God gives each and every one of us a resurrection power. Church, I want you to know you have the power inside of you to get through this season. I want you to know that you have the strength inside of you to keep moving forward, to keep pushing through. It, regardless of how difficult things are right now, regardless of how bleak and dark things are looking in your life right now, I want you to know you have the resurrection power inside of you. And if you have that power inside of you, it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside of you. You can make it. Not only that, you have a savior, you have a friend that can sympathize with your weakness because he went through everything you went through. He suffered, yet he sinned not. So I want to encourage you today to lean in to the resurrection of Jesus and receive, receive the word that says that same spirit that caused Jesus to, to, to walk out of that grave Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.